0: outside. It's kind of fun, right? Kind of cool. I, I, I enjoy days where we get to experience um, a little bit of the majesty of God while we worship together, because there's not just not very often that storms happen on, on Sunday morning. So hope you've enjoyed that as much as I have. Uh, we started this series last week with a little bit of a startling statement, um, maybe a far out there statement for, for some of you or for some of us. Um, and we basically said that temptation is not simply about what is right in front of you. It's not about the moment. It's not about the decision. Um, it's not about the weekend. It's not about the spring break. It's not about the money. It's not about the stuff that's right in front of us. There's actually more at stake when it comes to temptation than what is right in front of us. than what we may see um, in the moment, there's actually a little piece or a little bit of our future that's at stake. And, and the reason that I say that and the way that I can, can prove that is because there are things that you have done in the past, words you've said, places you've gone, things you've put in your body, things you've put on your body, that you did something in that moment that's still with you in this moment. And it may be right here, but it was in the past. And for some reason, it stuck with you into the future. Right? So temptation is not just about what's right in front of us. It's actually about a piece of our future. And then we said that it's not just about a piece of your future. It's actually a part of the, the future of people you love. The temptation is also about the future of people that you love. And I, I'm, I'm like painfully, painfully aware of this. I don't want to make this about me, but there are things that I could do. There are places that I could go. There are uh, people that I could attach myself to. There are, um, you you know, uh, behaviors or habits that I could start that wouldn't just affect my future. It would affect the future of my family. It would affect the future, potentially, of all of the staff and their families and their livelihood, because it it could affect the future of this church. It could affect the future of the existence of this church. It could affect um, the, the reputation in our community. I am painfully aware that my decisions are not in and of myself. It's not just about my future. It's about future of people that I love or people that are under my authority, under the, the canopy of my life. And so we did something kind of strange, kind of weird, maybe. Uh, we just I gave you a little statement that we're going to talk to temptation. We're going to speak to it. Throughout this series. And and those of you who were with us last week, or those of you who caught the message online during the week, you know what the statement was. We said, Temptation, you will not steal my future, you will not steal my family, and you will not steal my faith. The the third one is what we're going to talk about today that it's not just about your future, it's not just about the future of people you love, it's actually also about your confidence in God, your ability to continue to maintain your trust. In Him. Now, um, if you don't claim to follow Jesus, or maybe you're here and you're trying to figure that out, or maybe you're joining us online and you've got some questions about that and you're trying to kind of wrestle through that, like, like what we're talking about today isn't specifically for you. You can go with the first two because you're all about the future, you're all about your family, and that's not like uh, unique to Christians, that's a human thing. That's not just about a Christian thing. But um, for those of you who may not view this through the lens of faith, I still think there's something here for you. I still think there's some things for you to, to, to think through, and I'm really glad you're here or glad you're joining us online to, to watch this or to catch this. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, as we said last week, we don't really think about it. Um, we don't think about temptation like this. We don't always make the connection between our faith and our, and our, um, our temptation. And, and I don't know if that's because of preachers like me or people who do what I do. I don't know if it's because of our culture. Um, I, I don't know if that's because um, we have an enemy who doesn't want us to make the connection between these two things, I, I really don't know. But for some reason, we think it's about developing better habits. You, you, you think, well, I just need to be more self-disciplined. I just need to increase my willpower. And, and if I can do that, then I'll be able to, to, to figure this out. I'll be able to resist that temptation. So, so here's what we're gonna go today, okay? And I'll just give it to you right up front, and then you can decide if you wanna stay awake for the rest of the time or not, okay? Here's what we're going to talk about. Temptation is always a test of your faith, not just your self-control. It's always a test of your faith, not just your self-control. And I know, like, everybody's going, of course a pastor would say that, right? But let me, let me tease this out a little bit and see if you can identify with it, okay? Um, some of you were raised in um, either a home or uh, maybe a, a religious environment where God was a category, God was, God was about Sunday. God was about the things that you did whenever you were around the holy people. God was, God was a category, and, and, and like you, your family prayed before meals. Um, you believed Jesus was a really good guy. Maybe you thought he was a prophet. You didn't know what that meant, but it sounded official, so you just kind of went with it. Um, you, you, were, you, were, you believed that the Bible was an important book, like not important to read it, but important enough not to put anything on top of it. Right, like don't put anything on top of the Bible. Why? I don't know. Just don't. Right? Um, You 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 didn't you didn't necessarily think like God. You you believe God? You know he created the sun and the moon and the stars and the seasons and the earth and he just kind of put it in motion and and he's he's out there, but he's taking care of really big stuff. He's not interested in your day to day behavior. Or, or, or the daily needs that you have. He's not interested in your money, your job, your, your spouse, um, you know, what you do with your future. He's not interested in that stuff. He's just really interested in the really big stuff. And consequently, you grew up or you moved into adulthood believing that if I don't, it won't. If I don't figure this out, it's not going to happen. If I don't make it happen, it's, it's not going to happen. If it, and if I got to bend the rules, got to take a shortcut, got to compromise, you did that. Because, because God's there. You didn't question that. But he's kind of hovering over it all, not really interested in the details of life. Some of you, some of you were raised like that. And I'm not saying that, that's, that's bad or good or anything in between. I'm just saying that's kind of how you were raised. Others of you were raised kind of like me. You, 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 were, you were raised to believe that God cares about the details of your life. He cares about what I do with my money and with my time and with my job and my spouse and my kids. He, he cares about how I handle my sexuality, like all the, the specific details of my life. And when there's a gap between what I'd like to happen and what's actually happened, like you were taught to believe that you could invite God into that gap You could invite him into that, and and he would would figure out, he would deal with that. He would give you peace. He would give you an answer. He would provide for you in some way, shape, or form. You you were raised to believe that that you were not to approach God as a big-picture God or heavenly creator. You were raised to believe that you could approach God as a heavenly father who knows, who cares, who actually wants to be involved In your life. And and here's why I say that. Because we all have needs. We all have desires. There are things that we want to see happen in our life. And sometimes, when there's a gap between what we want to see happen and what's actually happening, there's a temptation. And the temptation is to bend the rule, to break the rule, to ignore the rule. And, and approach it in, in a couple different ways. You, you, you find yourself in the dilemma. Do I, do I force my will here? Do I jump in and make things happen? Do I bend rules, take a shortcut, whatever it might be, and essentially say to God, God, I don't, I don't think you'll come through for me here. I don't think you know. I don't think you care. I don't think you're the kind of God that would do that. So if I don't, it won't. That's one approach. The second approach is to, to step back and say, God, you know what I need. In fact, you know what I need better than I know what I need. And so I'm asking you to close the gap. I'm asking you to provide for my need. I'm asking you to show up and be, 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 behave or act on my behalf because I don't want to meet legitimate needs in an illegitimate way. I don't want to meet a legitimate need that you created me to have in an irresponsible way. And that dynamic, that decision, that tension, whether we recognize it or not, is happening every single time you're tempted. Every single time I'm tempted, because temptation isn't simply about self-control. Temptation is about your faith or your confidence, whatever word you want to use, your relationship, With your heavenly father. And and here's like here's what's so exciting to me about this? I'm really pumped about the next three messages in this series. Because if we can step back in the midst of temptation, if we can just stop mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, whatever it is, if we can stop for just long enough to ask the question: could God meet this need? Could he does he want to show up? Like, Like, is God big enough? to fill my need for companionship when I'm not getting it from them? Is God powerful enough to meet my need, my my desire for intimacy? Like, is God generous enough to provide for my needs? is Is he big enough? Is God caring enough to do something in my marriage? Can I depend on God to meet this need? If we can pause just long enough, See, because too many times, the question we ask is, how close can I get to the line without sinning? That's, that's the wrong question. The right question is, how big is your God? How big is your God? Like, he can create the sun, the moon, and the stars, but he can't meet your need? How big is your God? I'm here to make the case that he's really big. And he can, in fact, meet that need. And he does, in fact, care about the need that you have. And I'm also here to make the case that some of us miss this. We miss it. Because somewhere along the way, we've picked up the idea that if we don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. But when you live like that, this is just a side note. Maybe we'll come back to it. When you live like, if I don't, it won't, you stop trusting. When you stop trusting, you stop obeying. And when you stop obeying, you eventually stop believing. We talked about that a little bit Last week, please, people don't walk away from their faith because of a theological or philosophical issue. People walk away from their faith because they stop trusting God for the specifics, obeying God in the specifics, and now they're not even sure they believe. And, and again, every time you're tempted, the issue is can I trust God with this? And when and if you connect those dots, you'll see temptation in a whole new light, and you might even gain some traction. For dealing with it. So, if you have a Bible or mobile device, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter four. This is where we left off last week. Uh, We'll throw these verses up on the screen as well. And just throughout the next three parts of this series, we're gonna look at the specifics of Jesus's temptation. And and the value of this, like, it's not necessarily the specifics of Jesus's temptation, because you're probably not gonna be tempted to turn rocks into bread, like, ever. You're never going to face that temptation. You will probably not be faced with the temptation to throw yourself off of a really high building and test God at whether or not he'll catch you. If you do that, please call me before you do. Right? And, and you're probably never going to be faced with the temptation to worship Satan so you can get all the kingdoms of the world. That's, that's probably not going to happen. So, so the value of this is not the specifics of what Jesus was tempted with. The value of this is that on three unique times, three different moments, Jesus was tempted to do something on his own instead of trusting his heavenly father. Three different, three different times he's tempted to meet a legitimate need. In fact, in, in, in one of the temptations, he is tempted to, hold, to, to take hold of something that God promised him. Like this is, Jesus, this is why I sent you to earth. And he was tempted to take hold of that. But instead of doing that all three times, he's, he's tempted to meet legitimate needs in an illegitimate way, and we can all identify with that because we face it on a daily basis. So that's the value of this. So here we go. Let's jump into this, Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1. This is a little bit of a review, the first couple, couple verses. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, here it is, if you are the Son of God, or since you are the Son of God, you could read those either way, tell these stones to become bread. That seems pretty innocent, right? Like, Jesus, you hungry? Yeah, <laughs> it's been 40 days. Well, you're the Son of God, right? Yeah. Well, do you have the power to turn those stones into bread? Yeah. Well, why don't you just do that? And if Jesus did it, like, we wouldn't have lost our minds over that. It would have been a little weird for Jesus and Satan to have lunch together, but it's not that big of a, it's like, he's going to do it later with the fish and the loaves. He's going to raise people from the dead, so what's the big deal? With turning rocks into bread. But this is why this is so valuable. This is why Jesus is so brilliant. Jesus sees what's going on. Jesus sees beyond the marshmallow. Remember that from last week? The issue isn't, uh, am I hungry and can I meet that need? That's not the issue. The issue is, from verse 1, my father led me out here. So he must have a plan he must have a purpose. He must have a will for me. So will I continue to trust that? Will I continue to stay underneath that? Or will I go out on my own and do my own thing? And the reason we know that is because Jesus brings a story from the Old Testament and brings it into part of his response to the tempter. So I want to tell you part of that story and then we'll read part of it. Okay. Um, this is the part that most of you know. God rescues the, the nation of Israel from, from 400 years of slavery in Egypt, right? Sends Moses. Uh, Moses leads them out um, into the wilderness, you know, across the Red Sea and, and towards the promised land. There are about, you know, 1.5 to 2 million people, you know, walking through the wilderness, going through the wilderness to this piece of real estate known as the land of, of Canaan or the, or the promised land. And on the way, There's no, you know, Qdoba, there's no McDonald's to pick up groceries. So God feeds 2 million people every single day in the wilderness for 40 years. And many of you, again, you know the story, but the way it worked is they would wake up every morning, they would crawl out of their tents, and there on the ground were these little pieces of bread, these little pieces of cake called manna. And they'd pick up enough for each and every day. They weren't allowed to save any for the next day or it would rot. And then the day before Sabbath, they were supposed to collect enough for two days. And, and God literally, literally provided for them their daily bread every single day. They just expected it. It was going to be there the next day. And during that 40-year stretch, we're told that God wasn't, wasn't just simply feeding them God was teaching them. He was teaching them something. They they, they were being taught that God could be trusted to provide for their daily needs. In other words, he wasn't just a category. He wasn't just the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They'd heard those stories for 400 years, and they went to bed every night thinking, that God's not active. That God is obviously dead. Look at us. We've been for four centuries. We've been in slavery. So that God cannot exist anymore. And yet, here he is. He he wasn't just a God that was interested in their worship on Sunday. He wasn't a God that was a get-out-of-jail-free card. He wasn't a a throw-up-a-Hail-Mary-before-the-test, even though I didn't study God. He was an every-single-day-wake-up-practical- tangible need, God. God can be trusted. Every single day, they, were, they, they went out and they were reminded of this. They were taught this. God can be trusted. God can be trusted. God can be trusted. God can be trusted with your daily needs. So 40 years pass and they're on the, the doorstep of the promised land. They're getting ready. Think about this. They're getting ready to be their own authority for the first time in 400 years. They're getting ready to have cities They're getting ready to have their own homes. They're not going to have to take their home down every time they move to the next location. They're going to have their own army. They're going to have their own ability and be a real nation. And Moses sees this. Moses is a brilliant leader. He sees this. And so he gathers them together and he basically says, look, before we go into the promised land, we need to review a few things, okay? Because we've been dependent on God for 40 years, and we're getting ready to establish ourselves in the land and I'm telling you right now you will be tempted to forget you will be tempted to believe that you can't trust God anymore for your tangible needs because now you can see the work of your hands you can see your ability to create your ability to plant and harvest your ability to take you know raw material and turn it into an economy you're going to be tempted to believe that it is no longer God who's providing for you. You're gonna be tempted to believe that you are providing for you. And if there's ever a moment in your history moving forward when you're when when you don't have more, or you, you don't have enough, or when there's, there's a need, you're gonna be tempted to believe because you got into a new pattern. If I don't, it won't. And Moses gathers them and says, guys, we got we gotta, we gotta come to this. And again, he's talking to people who ate the same thing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day for 40 years. And it wasn't Chick-fil-A, so it's not even close to good. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you, here's the part you've heard before, that man does not live on bread alone, but on every, what? Word Word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. We need to hang out here for a second, okay? Moses says, look, the reason God fed you for the last 40 years was to teach you something. He wanted you to learn. Simply having enough to eat isn't enough. Simply having your needs met, that's not enough. There's something more important than that. Because, isn't this true? Appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. Isn't that true? Did you you have breakfast this morning? For those of you who eat breakfast, did you have breakfast this morning? Yeah? Okay. What are you going to do when you leave here? You're going to eat again right? You've never had a meal and go, oh, I'm never eating again. You've said that, but you didn't mean it because you ate again. Your appetite is never fully and finally satisfied. And for 40 years, God is teaching them as important as it is to eat food, it is more important to stay under the canopy, under the authority, under the way, the will, the word of God. God wanted them to connect the dots. Every single morning, God is faithful. God can be trusted. Go get breakfast. God is faithful. God can be trusted. Go get lunch. God is faithful. God can be trusted. Go get supper. God connected physical, tangible, everyday needs with his faithfulness. So they would never forget man does not live on bread alone. In other words, having your physical needs met isn't enough. Having your physical needs met isn't enough. There's more to life than that, and you know that. We know this. There there is something beyond just simply having your needs met. It's being in the, the, the will, the way, being under the canopy of God's word, God's provision for you. And as they're getting ready to enter the promised land, it's almost like Moses is pleading with them, please don't forget this. Please don't forget this. And here's what would happen if they did. Skip down a few verses. Verse 11. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, and this is right where we live, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. See, we, we don't understand this because almost every single one of us for our entire life, we don't know what it's like to live a nomadic lifestyle. You've always had a home to go to. You've had air conditioning for most of your life. Some of you, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know when that came along. You have a comfortable bed. You have a lazy boy. You have a TV. We, we don't know what it's like to not have those comforts. And Moses is going, I'm concerned that you guys, the, the people of Israel, you know what it's like not to have that stuff. And I'm concerned that when you have more than you need, you'll forget where it came from. I'm concerned. When you have more than you need, you'll forget God's word. I'm concerned when you have more than you need and suddenly you lack something, you'll think it's up to you. And if you don't, it won't. I'm concerned you'll forget to trust the Lord, your God, who has been teaching us the same thing for 40 years. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. He continues. Verse 17. You may say to yourself, my power And the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Anybody ever said anything like that? Okay, has anybody ever thought anything like that? Yeah. But, but remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God says to them, and I think it's just as much for us because He continues to say it all throughout the New Testament. God's saying, I'm the source of your needs. I'm the source of all your needs. I'm the source of all your appetites because you're hungry. But do you, ever know, do you ever think about like where you got the ability to be hungry? Like I gave you that. I, I put that in you. Uh, like you're alone, but how do you even know what alone is? Because I created you to want companionship. You, you have a need for intimacy, but who created you with the potential to even experience intimacy? Oh yeah, I did. You have this need for progress. You have this need to take nothing and turn it into something. But who gave that to you? Who gave you that desire? I did, which means he knows. If the creator created you that way, don't you think he knows? Which means he cares. And more importantly than having enough to eat is remembering who provides you with enough to eat. And every time you and I bend or break or ignore God's law to meet our felt needs, it's the equivalent of saying, God, I just don't trust you here. I, I, I don't think you can meet that need. I don't think he'll come through for me. I'll be in this situation the rest of my life if I don't do something about it. Because I don't think he'll change. I don't think she'll change. We're just going to be like this for, until one of us dies. And if I don't, it won't. Every time you're tempted, it is not just about your self control, it's about your faith, it's about your confidence. And who God is. And and, and if we can just step back and go, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Temptation. This is not just about the marshmallow. You you almost got me. But that's not what this is about. This is about God acting on my behalf. You want me to think that God doesn't know and doesn't care and he's not paying attention. But I'm not going there. I'm not going to let you steal my confidence, my faith, and my Father in heaven. So back to Jesus, back to Jesus. He hasn't eaten in 40 days, he's hungry. The devil says, well, just, just meet that need. It's a, legitimate, it's a legitimate need. Like God made you to be hungry. Just, you're not gonna fast the rest of your life. Eventually you're gonna have to eat so, and you have the power to do it. So just do it and, and you know what? Jesus could have said, that's right, that's right. Like if God loved me, he wouldn't have brought me out here. And if, and if God loved me, He would have provided me with something to eat. If God loved me, He wouldn't have even allowed us to have this conversation. Like, why hasn't He come through yet? If God loved me, if God cared, if God knew. If God loved me, if God cared, if God knew. If God loved me, if God cared, if God knew. We do this all the time. Why didn't He do something there? Or why did He do that? Right? Jesus could have gone down that road. He could have. But he realized the issue wasn't food. The issue wasn't hunger. The issue was, would he continue to stay under the authority of his heavenly Father and trust him? Because if God let him out there, Jesus was going to trust him, even if it meant starving to death. And so listen to what happened. Verse 4. Jesus answered, I love this, it is written. This is the first step in resisting temptation. Do you know God's word? Do you read it? Do you know what's written? Yeah, I'm hungry, and I don't know why God hasn't come through yet, but let me just tell you something, Satan. God has already spoken to this, and I know what he's said. Man cannot live on bread alone. So what does God's word say to this right here? You want to distract me with hunger, but the real issue is, will I trust my father?" And the answer is yes, because it is written. God has already spoke to this. And His word somebody needs to write this down. His word trumps my feelings. God's word trumps your feelings. because you go by your feelings. You're going to be like a squirrel on Red Bull every single day. Isn't that true? Don't your feelings go all over the place like a squirrel on Red Bull? I just came up with that. That's not even in my notes. That was for free, okay? God's Word trumps your feelings. It is written. Jesus reaches way back into the book of Deuteronomy. It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. God has already settled this, Satan. He's He's proven in history that when men and women trust Him, He meets needs. He steps in. And so, as hungry as I am, as much of a legitimate need as this is, I'm not gonna let you steal my faith. I'm not gonna let you skew my confidence in Him. I'll just wait for Him to come through for me because I believe He's interested, He's aware. And more importantly, he's able to meet my need. That's how Jesus resisted the first temptation. So, come on, let me ask you. What area in your life are you most tempted to meet a legitimate need in an irresponsible way? Is it companionship? Is it intimacy? Is it progress? Is it financial goals? Is it reputation? Is it friendship? Whatever it is. God actually created you to have that need. It's a legitimate need, just like hunger. But you're tempted to meet it in an irresponsible way. What is that for you? And, and, And if you'll just let me speak into it here for a moment, that is the area that God wants to show up in your life in a tangible, practical, maybe even a miraculous way. But if you keep on getting out in front of him, if you keep on taking the bull by the horns, because if I don't, it won't, you'll miss him. You, you, you won't create the space, you won't create the pause. To let him step in. If you'll step back from that temptation and recognize what's at stake, it's not the weekend. It's not spring break. It's not your reputation. It's not financial gain. It's not closing the deal. What's at stake is your confidence in God and his ability and willingness to show up in your world. I think you just got to step back from that and remind yourself man shall not live on closing deals alone, man shall not live by dates alone. Man shall not live by what did you do last weekend alone. Man shall not live by income alone. Man shall not live by gadgets or cars or clothes or refined sugar alone. Those are all good and great, especially that last one. But their appetites, right? They're appetites that are never fully and finally satisfied, and they've got nothing on uninterrupted fellowship with your Father in heaven. They got nothing compared to God's word. And if you think it's just about self-control, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. Jesus was hungry for food. What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? What are you thirsting for? Do you think God knows that? Do you think he cares? And see, you have to decide. If God knows and if God cares... You have to decide, is he going to do something about it? And if you do, you got to stop. You got to pause in the midst of temptation because it's in the pause. It's in the gap where God shows up. And so what's the area in your life where you're most consistently tempted to meet a legitimate need in an irresponsible way? And would you be willing just to step back and trust God to meet that need? See, I don't, I don't, I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me. But the things that I'm tempted by are usually in the same area. They're usually the same things. And so one of the things that I do, it's, it's, I, I wish I could say I do it every single day, but I don't. But, but on most days, before I start my day, I will spend time rehearsing. Yeah, I'm going to be tempted by that again. And yeah, that's probably going to come along because that comes along quite, quite often. And yeah, this is probably going to happen, and they're going to say that, and I'm going to be tempted to say this back. And so before I even start my day, I just rehearse this. That's where temptation is going to show up. And so I fight the battle before the battle shows up. I submit myself before the temptation even, even shows up. And you know what? Sometimes that's helpful. Sometimes it doesn't do anything. But at least I'm paying attention. I know it's coming. I know it's going to show up. So I spend time. Okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to pause. God, I'm not going to let this steal my future, my family, or my faith. That's the model. That's the model Jesus gave us. That's the response he had. And that's the response. That's the, rep, the response that leads to freedom is to step back. I will not let temptation steal my confidence in God because I believe he knows I believe he cares. And I believe that his timing is better than mine. So I'm just going to wait in the meantime. So regardless of how you were raised, the God of the Bible has invited you to call him father, which means he knows, which means he cares. And when he sees the time is right, he'll show up on your behalf because temptation isn't about self-discipline or self-control. It's always about your faith. So step back, pause, create a gap, and see what he does. See how he steps in to that gap. Let me pray for you, and then we'll get out of here. <sighs> Father in heaven, um, today, this week, this month, sometime soon. I pray that, that you would help us to connect these dots. For the man or woman that's dealing with addiction, they've promised everything, they've promised everyone, they've, they've done everything, and they, they're sitting here thinking there's no hope, i will never be free. God, would you help them to connect the dots? And every morning every single morning before the issue is even an issue that that they would declare their dependence to cry out to you to find hope, to find direction, to find another way eventually to find freedom. God, for the couple whose marriage is on the ropes, they can't put it together, they can't seem to get on the same page, they're, they're tempted to hit the eject button and run and do something they've been encouraged by somebody else to do, would you help them to step back to see you show up in in a way that they just haven't in their relationship. Father, for the teenager who's facing stuff many of us, we can't even imagine facing at 15 or 16, I pray that even now you would teach them at this young age to trust you to meet their needs, that they would be a generation full of faith that we just sang about earlier, full of faith that you can meet their needs for companionship, for intimacy, for whatever they're facing at school or their friends and whatever arena they need you to show up. Got to pray that we would be men and women who like the Israelites in the wilderness would get up every day and we would just connect the dots between your faithfulness and your provision. To be reminded every day that you're the God who knows, you're the God who cares, and you're the God who will show up because you're the God who loves. God, would you teach us what to do with what we've heard? Would you give us the courage? Would you give us the, the, the foresight, the wisdom, the ability to leave this place and to apply what you have spoken into our hearts? And we will give you praise. It's in Jesus' name we ask all of these things. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week.